Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? We have Nick Gray back on the Tuesday show, and together we're going to talk about a couple of the, um, well, this week has been, in one way, big bummers, also kind of small bummers, and you'll see why. Um, on the one hand, we have a new device in hand, or I do at least, uh, that I was really looking forward to, but it looks like we have to wait until some of that potential is finally, finally realized in the Mi 11 Ultra, the Xiaomi Mi 11 Ultra. So I'm going to talk through why I'm kind of bummed out by this phone already after I do my unboxing of it. But then of course, we have the big news, the biggest news of the week. I can't imagine anything else is going to eclipse this news. LG has officially exited the mobile market. Uh, We're going to have a lot of discussions about this in the coming days, um, and I'm sure that in our Friday show, we're going to talk about it again as well. Uh, But Nick and I just sort of talk through a couple of our thoughts as to why this happened and just also reminisce about the company of LG Mobile Division. So let's go ahead and get into this discussion. I'm sure it'll be one of many that many of us have this week. Enjoy. It's going to be a week of bummers, I think, (laughs) because we've had ourselves some pretty pretty heavy news in the tech space, but we're going to get into all of the LG stuff in a little bit. Um, I just wanted to make sure I do the usual check-ins with Nick. Good morning, Nick. Um, (laughs) Still morning. How's it going? It is still morning, yes. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've been, as you, as you so eloquently put it before we got started, I've been awake for 72 hours. I have not. It's just, um, I woke up very, very early this morning to host slash guest. It was a little bit more in the realm of guest, um, on a Poco live stream. So shouts out to Poco. Thank you so much for having me on. And we talked through the Poco F3, which is of course their flagship, uses the Snapdragon 870, and it's a, it's a powerful little device for a price that is really, really, really affordable. Um, I got to give them props. Like for, for anybody that doesn't prioritize the cameras, it's still a very compelling choice. Um, so yeah, that was a solid hour with Poco talking through that. So I apologize if my voice doesn't sound quite where I would want it to be. <laughs> but in any case, I wanted to check in with you, Nick. How are things going? It is going well. It's one of those weeks where I have a thousand things on my plate to do. I have postponed them all because of other things that I have on my plate to do. So, you know, you feel like you're catching up and then you get an email or a second one and then you feel like you're 17 steps behind. So, you know, the average week. Pretty much the average week. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I think that I'm going to have more wrenches thrown into my system because... After this, I mean, one piece of good news I'll put out there. Um, after we're done here, a few hours after we're done, I'm going to get my second shot of the vaccine. Second dose, I should say. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. But I do think that I'm going to get some side effects. So I may be incapacitated for the next 36 hours afterwards. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. We're, we're, we're going to have to see. But I do, I do have other pieces of content I want to put out. On that, in that same vein... This whole thought of something comes in and pushes everything else back. I actually have a new device that everyone has been clamoring for as of late, and I'm very excited to have it. However, I have thoughts. So we have here the Xiaomi. And I am a little bit jealous. I'm going to say in some ways, yes, I agree. Like, it's cool that it, that it's a very, very wonderful so far device. There's a lot of things that are exciting about it. I do have some thoughts, though, on this here Xiaomi Mi 11 Ultra. Now, 
when I say the term ultra with Mi 11, the first thing that people will think about is that rear display. I am so sorry that I have to do this, but I have to like rain on some people's parade immediately. I have said, we, we talked about this last week, literally mm-hmm. a week ago. We talked about, and I talked about how excited I was to use that rear display in such a manner that makes the rear cameras so much more viable. If we're moving into an era of smartphones where the front-facing camera is just not a priority, and if you want to vlog and you want to get the best photos, you're going to use the rear cameras, this was going to be the next step. I was so excited for that. Only to find that when I turned on the camera app and turned on what is called rear rear display preview, I believe is the full term, that option is only for the auto photo mode. Especially for a Xiaomi phone that has so many modes in the camera, why am I only able to use the rear display in the straight up photo mode? I am so bummed out about this, Nick. Yeah, I mean, it seems obvious that at least you would be able to do it in video mode Mm -hmm. as well, because there shouldn't be any limitations on that. But to see that they've, you know, technically artificially limited to a specific mode within their camera app. And I think you mentioned to me that it doesn't work with photo mode on any other camera app, correct? Yep, Yep, that's true. And so you can't use it for TikTok, you can't use it for Instagram, you can't use it for Facebook live videos or anything like that. And you're limited specifically to the camera app that comes on on the device and only the photo mode. That's, I don't know, that's a huge oversight Mm -hmm. because photos are just one aspect of a camera and the way the world has moved these past couple of years. I mean, we've gone from social media apps for taking photos like Instagram, where photos were the number one priority to things like TikTok, where video is the biggest priority. And especially with an app like TikTok coming out of China for a Chinese brand or Chinese manufactured phone and one of the biggest Chinese manufacturers at that, to completely ignore that is, I don't know, There, there's something something's missing someone dropped the ball along the way either there's a software limitation that they're not able to work out at this moment or someone simply was not thinking about how do people actually use their smartphones well okay i love that i love that that was the last point you made uh before i expand upon that i did immediately complain to my one of my friends at xiaomi and uh she basically said the r&d team is considering like making it available to more features and whatnot and i said please do that because even just making this rear display preview available in other modes in the camera app will be that big of a game changer. It, the reason why it's a bummer is because it was those leaks that showed us that the rear display can mirror the front display, which is kind of that that would be a way of solving all of these problems. You just hit mirror, turn on the camera app, you can go ahead and use it. Hit mirror, turn on Tic Tac, uh, Tic Tac, Tic Tac, you can go ahead and use it. <laughs> It's early, You're okay. I've been a away new for a social while. media app called Tic Tac. It's fresh. <laughs> it's totally fresh. The so, fresh maker. Uh, it it would be it would that would be one way of mitigating all of these issues that I have with it all right off the bat. Like I I filmed my unboxing. I was so hyped, and then I got into these settings, and I realized this thing is being cut off at the knees before we even begin. So I was super bummed out about that. But on the topic of um, these phone manufacturers not necessarily thinking that hard enough about how users, I'll admit specific users like me, I will always say like I am a very specific 
camera phone type of person. I like vlogging with phones and when I can, I do social media, all of that stuff. I get that that's somewhat niche. Social media is for everybody, but the true creator who's on there wanting to use these cameras is still somewhat niche. I'll admit that. But still, there's another layer to this. This sensor, I don't have full thoughts on it. I'm just giving some first impressions here. This sensor, the Samsung GM2, which is 89% there to a one-inch sensor. I did the math. It was 1 over 1.12, I think, is the measurement. So that makes it about 89% of, it's like 0.89 inches. Yeah, it's 0.89 inches. Yeah, so that that's fantastic. That's great. The larger the sensor, the better the shallow depth of field, and it is. There's only one thing that I thought was interesting, though, and I did read this in another article that someone posted, like I think in Asia or in Europe or something, and um, I tended to agree, actually. Yes, the sensor is large. It provides a lot of great benefits, but it's also a really wide-angle lens. It's like, at, it's like at somewhere around 24 millimeters. If you're looking to take photos like portraits using the main sensor that wide angle aspect kind of warps things a little too much. And you already have an ultra wide, so why not make the main sensor a little bit tighter? So I, I read that and I thought, okay, let's try it out. So I recorded some video with it and I have to admit, it's a little bit wider than most other main sensors, which may or may, which if you have a discerning eye, you might notice it. You might notice a little bit of warping that shouldn't be there on a main While sensor. While recording video or just for photos? Because most Both. smartphone cameras are about, 24 millimeters they're between 24 and 28 depending on the model so i mean that's that's not too far uh of a you know gap between what we currently have um but one of the things that i i'd like to point out is i'm always disappointed with how much we zoom in when we switch over to video onto the sensor there's the crop into 4k video from what your view is when you're in photo mode and a lot of that has to do with optical image stabilization and electronic image stabilization as well because they're trying to use some of those pixels to stabilize the photos the videos but i don't know the for me 24 millimeter doesn't sound too far off because i honestly that's between 24 and 28 is typically where we're at well here's the thing and while while we had to pause because there's a lot of noise right outside my window you did mention that a millimeter count is different across the board. It's not really one-to-one, especially when you compare them to real cameras. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Even if another phone is at 24 millimeters, the Mi, the Mi 11 Ultra having that larger sensor, it kind of exacerbates that same number. So this 24 millimeters with a larger sensor might actually be stretching stretching that, that final result out. It might seem like it at least. Um, but here's the other layer to it. Portrait shots usually means getting a little bit of distance to compress the background and getting a good shot of your subject, right? The telephoto lens goes straight to five times. So I think the issue that I have here is that if you were going to get a nice like bokeh out photo or a portrait of somebody else, in order for you to get that kind of look, somewhere around 35 millimeters, which is my favorite focal length, and that's what I have right now, or even up to 50 millimeters, you're cropping into the main sensor. You're losing, mm -hmm. you're losing quality just so you can get what kind of should be already intrinsic to a big censored lens like this. Well, so here's the thing, though. The, the difference is you are getting that big sensor and cropping into 
this larger sensor, you still have a whole lot of resolution to deal with. I mean, a lot of people are talking, you know, people get lost in the numbers. I need more megapixels. I need more megapixels. Some of Sony's best cameras have 12, 12. megapixel yeah. sensors. That's true. Okay? So, and these are full frame mirrorless cameras, 12 megapixels, and you have professionals who are just fine with 12 megapixels. So mm. this one here is 50? 50, yep. 50, yeah. So you have more than enough room to crop a photo. Like if someone's standing five feet away from you and you're taking a portrait shot with them, they get the blurred background and you know, you're, they're not taking up the entire frame of the shot. You can still crop in and still have a 30 megapixel photo, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what? 30 megapixels. Going, but that is if you're going for the full 50 millimeter mode because it's uh, all photos in the main auto mode are binning in some sort of way. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah, so, but even then, so it's binning to what, 12 and a half megapixel shots? Yeah, I'm or trying to remember. Like there's, like a, there's like a new term for these particular lenses. I'm trying to remember. Like, but yeah, it's, it's basically that. Yeah, so I mean, it's to for this one here, it would be a four to one mm-hmm. pixel binning that you would typically get. So it'd be, you know, 12, 12.5 megapixels or something along those lines. It's not that you're going to have. So the flip side is when you're doing pixel binning, you have lower resolution. Uh, it should a- compensate for less noise because you're using four pixels acting as one to pull in more light. The other side of this, this sensor is freaking huge, so mm-hmm. it already reduces noise on its own. So I would, you know, this is why I'm jealous that you have this device because I, I just want to do camera comparisons with this smartphone to see how <laughs> it compares to anything else that's currently on the market. Because in in daylight, you're not going to see a huge difference unless you know you have a subject that's standing in the shade. You're taking their photo with you know a you know well lit background behind them. You know the they're DR. underneath yeah, a tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the dynamic range that you get there, you know, being being able to illuminate the subject's face while also not blowing out the background completely. That, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, the AI camera enhancements with, you know, multiple exposures stitched into one. But then the flip side is nighttime shots on this camera should be spectacular compared to anything else that's on the market right now. I'm going to so have to go I, out I don't know of, if, uh... you've, if you've taken some nighttime shots, no, I mean, or just... Close, close the windows in your room. Turn off the lights, and you know, just turn on one, one key light in in the corner, and take some take some photos. There you go. Just turn off my yeah. light. Yeah, just um, turn off your light. But yeah, the I agree. These are these are scenarios that this should should be able to provide some really awesome results. Um, I'm gonna have to go out of my way to get those nighttime shots because I normally don't do night photography in my camera tests. Um, and I know my audience tends to kvetch about that. Uh, it's just that, you know, I call it real world camera test and I don't shoot at night because I know it's not ideal. So it's like, it's kind of a look into the JV psyche. But see, like you, you, I mean, it's not happening right now, but when do a lot of people take pictures? Like they're out, you know, a group outing, they're at somebody's birthday party or a restaurant or something like that. And they're doing, especially like a group selfie. The fact that you can't, you know, even though it's just limited to the camera right now, that rear screen, taking that selfie with that main camera, you know, getting two to three people in your shots um, in low light situations and also using portrait mode for like three people, like that's, I don't but know, it kind of like the holy grail of what can your camera actually do? And that's what I'm and I saying. I think this can that, succeed 
in so many ways. And that's what I'm saying. It's like it's so disappointing because the 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 rear display preview again it only works in the straight up photo mode you can't even you can't even use it in the portrait mode which would be like that's oh not yeah that sucks so so the the moment you (laughs) swipe the the moment you swipe away from photo it's gone like that's it so you can't do like night shots or anything like that so just photo exactly yeah that's Someone needs to uh, over on XDA if you're listening. Oh my God, you have no idea how many root this phone and make the rear screen available for us. Number one mod request right a now. A billion percent. You have no idea how 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 often I was returning to the setting screens, thinking I just missed something. I went to XDA. I went to the me forums, and I was just looking for someone to tell me how to use this thing. I turned on developer options, wasn't there either, and I was just like, oh. You could probably if. I mean, even without rooting, you can probably do some command line stuff to to activate it in some way. But then I the want to know off, how the next that time we turn off the phone. It. Yeah. Well, it, it no the so for the to your point for those who are not aware, the first leaks of this phone showed the screen on the back, and it was mirroring the home screen on the phone, which means the rear screen was just mirroring whatever the main screen was looking at. Yes. Which means. I, I think it was an early prototype that didn't have the final software build on it yet, and they hadn't created the software limitations. Because essentially, there there's two screens, and now they're putting software limitations on what the second screen can and cannot do. Originally, like any other device, if you have two screens, it's just showing two screens, unless you tell it specifically to only show certain things. But, you know, there's someone's going to create the hack in order to do it it will be there eventually hopefully xiaomi will realize this is something that should be there in the software without having to hack the phone so yeah i'm final word on this before we get into a quick break because we do obviously want to get into the biggest news of the week it's only tuesday we already have the biggest news of the week um the uh the contact that i have over at xiaomi my good friend um she told me uh, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised more people aren't up in arms about this. I feel like I'm the only one who's really this bummed out about it. But I was saying like, even if you could just make it work in more camera modes, that would be a huge deal. And she goes, I hear you. We're actually pushing very hard internally for this as well. And I'm like, okay, good. So even when Xiaomi's own people <laughs> are like, what are you doing? Hopefully that will create some change. So, something needs to change. Exactly. Yeah. Well, to be fair, uh, you're one of the first to get your hands on the device. Um, well here in the u.s there are actually a lot of reviews and camera tests already out of like europe and hong kong um plenty of people have have had the the phone and they've and it was in those videos that i noticed they all have the same issue too it's just Mm -hmm. i'm surprised that i haven't seen more outrage about it maybe this is just very specific to me (laughs) well but you know it it takes somebody specific who's looking for a specific use case in order to raise a red flag that's true so if if they're not looking for it and if it was something that doesn't cross their mind then and a lot of people, I don't know, so a lot of people who get review devices, they use a phone and use it how it's intended to be used. They don't question the limitations that are put in place, especially mm-hmm. something like this. So they see, oh, it's not available, end of discussion, versus you who were, was looking forward to a specific use case that would be enabled or should definitely be enabled by this rear display. 
your disappointment drives the conversation. Yeah, indeed. Um, and uh, trust me, there's a whole section in my unboxing and first impressions where I get on the rear camera, wide angle, and I'm like, here's the rear camera, what I wanted to use on this phone. But guess what? The screen's off. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm literally just like, I'm half, I'm, I'm low-key bitching about it <laughs> in the video. So I just need. By to the get time that. the phone shows up at my doorstep, they'll have a software update and it'll work just fine. I'm God, like, Josh, I hope so. What are you talking about? <laughs> this video is outdated. Take it down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, um, as far as bummers are concerned, that this one, like I, I, Nick joked with me that I was like one of the more significant bummers that just happened, and I told him about the rear display on the Mi Ultra, and he's like, "That's the bummer you're talking about this week." I'm like, "No, I mean, obviously, we have to talk about the LG stuff that just happened, which we're going to do right after the break." I don't really have, I know a lot of people ended up making videos reminiscing about LG. Um, and I thought about doing one as well, but then I realized I have like upwards of three, maybe even four opportunities to talk about it via podcast this week. And I'm sure that I will be able to go through a lot of the memories that I have, not just with the products, but with the company itself. Now, to be clear, LG Mobile was. 10%, if that, of LG's overall ecosystem and market share. So LG themselves are going to be fine. It's just that mobile, as far as devices are concerned, are no longer going to be part of our world. Um, there was some speculation. Um, I did watch Engadget's video, Chris Velasco's video, and he was like, you know, there are brands who have stepped away only to come back and different manners like nokia blackberry um but it doesn't feel like lg will be doing that anytime soon regardless this past weekend leading up to monday we got the news that lg was going to exit the mobile business entirely globally altogether i guess the only way for me to start off this conversation is to ask what your first reactions are to this uh there, there's lots of feelings tied up in this because this is, as you mentioned, there, this isn't the first time that we've seen brands disappear or step away from the mobile industry. And you never would have thought that LG would be one of those brands. Right. I think um, they've never, from a smartphone enthusiast perspective, LG has never been one of the go-to brands besides a few niche products i th i think the the g series and the v series the last couple years had some you know really really compelling devices if you're looking for something specific and that being said though they have especially here in the u.s a lot of people don't realize this they have a huge market share within the u.s uh, depending on which reports you're looking at, they have between 5 and 10% of the U.S. smartphone market share. And most of those, of course, are budget-friendly devices, you know, mm -hmm. smartphones within the, you know, $150 to $350 range. Uh, a lot of them typically prepaid devices on, you know, Metro by PCS or a lot of the other MVNOs that are out there. And, you know, if you're looking for a good, solid 
budget-friendly device. They've had really good products for years within that category. So it, it's kind of this toss-up of we're losing a brand that has delivered innovation. I mean, those who uh, you can go back years, you know, when Samsung first announced, you know, their curved OLED display for smartphones uh, with the Samsung Edge. Mm. I th- it was the same year the LG Flex came out. I don't know if you remember the LG Flex. Oh, I, I remember so many phones. Um, let me just let me just add some context to this. The very first review on YouTube I ever did was the LG Optimus G. Mm-hmm. This is pre-Nexus, and the um, that phone being like one of the OGs, I'll always remember like unboxing it for the first time in front of my friends in college. I was already out of college, but I still hung around on the campus, and I went to one of our main rooms where I would like unbox this phone, and, and they were like, did you get a new phone? And, and back then, it was an occasion to get a new phone. Because it just wasn't mm-hmm. a common thing, so here I am talking about how like talking to my friends who are still in college, like you know probably juniors and seniors, and I was just like, "Yeah, um, I got this sent to me to review," and they're like, "What? <laughs> who does this? You got a free thing?" Like, <laughs> and college students are always just thinking like, "I want free things," but like I start testing it while I'm on campus and whatnot, and I tried to make this video. Uh, I always joke about this, but my first video at Android Authority, it was. It was not this one. It was my first review, but this was like my second video. I wanted it to be as Top Gear-like as possible, but of course I didn't even have, I didn't have the tools nor the skill set to make that happen, but I tried. And that phone actually, like when I look back on it, that was a, that was a fantastic device. Um, it did a really great job for what it was. Um, and obviously it pales in comparison to everything we have now, but that's just how technology is. But yeah, it was that was the start. And every phone that came out after that, I have pretty intimate intimate like um memories of uh including the flex i actually have a story of the flex um the lg g flex i want to say two was it the two that had the self-healing back uh i think it was yeah so you could scratch it and it had a nano coating paint exactly. that you could scratch it and it would heal itself so for those who to let lay the foundation for the flex samsung has been curving its the screen's over the edges on the left and right of a display. And LG was like, we're just going to make the whole phone curved, Mm -hmm. essentially making a banana phone. Yeah, It served no purpose whatsoever besides the fact that the microphone and the speaker were closer to your mouth and your ear when you were on a phone call. Yeah, But you could literally put this phone down on, on a flat surface and there would be this arch for the screen not touching. And you could, and it was called the flex because you could literally flex the phone. You could press down on it and make the phone flat on the fo- on whatever surface you wanted, and it wouldn't break the phone. It wouldn't break the glass. It wouldn't, yep. you know, cause any damage to the circuitry on the inside. They're like, yeah, just flatten your phone whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was such an odd way of imagining a phone, but I think that some of the unspoken, or rather. Some of the things you don't quite realize until it happens to you would happen with phones like that. It was the G Flex, the G Flex 2, the G4. And these um, these phones actually had pretty amazing ergonomics because of that curve. Mm-hmm. It was easier to reach from top to bottom because of the curve. And it's something that we take for granted now with phones that are like really big, almost seven inch screens. It doesn't matter if the sides are curved, it's still a seven inch screen. Um, yep. 
But yeah, with the G Flex too. And this is the thing. This is what I, I, we will get into the conversation as to why this happened. We'll get into the conversation as to people's reactions about it. And I have many thoughts about that. Um, and, but, but for now, I think it, it, it is in our nature to reminisce when something goes away. And I think that anybody out there who is looking at it with like a smug face of like, huh, you only feel that way because X, Y, Z guys, pipe down like whenever anything goes away you think about what memories you had with it and that's what we're all doing right now so i'm here reminiscing i'm thinking of all of the times that i had not only with the products but with the company itself because there are some really good memories with them as well um so when i think of the gflex 2 <laughs> I, I i've talked about this with michael before because he was there and, and jaime as well so they were i was at andrew authority obviously they were both of pocket now we go to the pre-briefing, and I think this was an MWC. Pretty sure it was MWC. And we're there, and they're making a big deal about this backing that can heal. And I'm like, cool. So I go through my usual motions. I do my hands-on videos. Um, I'm usually like really on, like I'm just like a well-oiled machine when it comes to the hands-on video recordings. So I'm going through them, getting all the right shots and all of that. And then finally, the final shot, I tell myself, I think I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and uh, get the final shot. The final shot is supposed to be of me scratching the back. So what I do is I reach into my pocket. I'm humming the whole time. This is just how oblivious I am. I reach into my pocket. I take out my keys. I scratch the back. And then 20 seconds later, my smile turns into like horror because I'm noticing it's not getting any better. (laughs) You scratched all the way through. (laughs) I did. And then I, I, I bring the phone back over to um before we return them because we were only going to film them there we weren't walking away with them i go over to where jaime and michael are and they always laugh whenever i recall whenever i retell this part of the story i show them the back and i go guys what do i do (laughs) and they look at me and they're all like what did you do and i'm like i scratched it i wanted to see it heal and they're all like that's not how this works man it's not like you're not supposed to like intentionally scratch it and it's incidental and i'm like oh man so when i gave it back to ken our friend a scuff from your keys exactly in a bag yeah (laughs) or or coins or something like that so when i went to give it back to our friends who were at the briefing from lg like ken ken was there i i i made sure to hold the back of the phone down so they couldn't see it while i was returning it to them Oh man! It doesn't matter. They're taking it to another event, and then they're gonna it's be this huge scratch on it. Returned and yeah, I don't know. It was it was nice. I've broken I've broken phones. I've I've dropped phones and cracked the glass back. Well, I mean, I would pre briefings and stuff like that. So eh, don't worry, it, it's be fine. It, obviously it's fine. I mean, I'm still here, first of all. But like the it's funny because they blacklist you for years. <laughs> Well, it was just really funny because um, that was around the time that I would drop any review units that we had. Like that was one of the core pieces of content. Like we would actually mm-hmm. ask LG would always be accommodating for these things as well. I would I dropped uh, G three, G four, G Flex, G Flex two, V twenty. V twenty is probably my favorite one that I ever dropped because that was an all metal phone, and it was one of the last phones to have a removable battery via a cover on the back, and it was like. I actually just watched that video 
last night as well as I was reminiscing. The clang that that phone made when it would when it would hit the ground in front of the Bundestag <laughs> was pretty pretty awesome. But like, okay, I guess I guess one way to navigate this 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 history of LG and this this reminiscing that we're doing. What were some of your favorite devices out of their lineups? Um, I would have to say my favorite phone from LG was the LG G6, which isn't too long ago, but it was their first one to introduce the ultra-wide camera. I think it was MWC 20, 2016, mm-hmm. or maybe it was 2017. I can't well, remember. Can I, can, I cor- can I correct you real quick? I think the G5 actually had an ultra-wide on it first, too. It did, but it was not good. <laughs> fair fair um but so the oh, hold on a second maybe i'm completely wrong but yeah it was the the g5 the g5 had it it was also the modular phone the g5 was. It, yeah the g5 was the modular phone yes. yeah um so i i remember getting the g6 and um just using that um they they handed them out to us when we were at mwc in barcelona and just going around Barcelona, taking photos of, you know, the convention center and also just all the great things there are to photograph in Barcelona, because unlike CES, MWC is with all the events that you have to go to, it's kind of located all over the city. So you're constantly, you know, jumping on the subway or taking a bus or catching a cab here or there. And you're seeing these great places. And I I just remember taking photos with that ultra wide camera and my mind being completely blown as to this picture came from a smartphone. Because it, before that, ultra wide can like yes, they, there might have been one or two other devices that introduced ultra wides before that, but they weren't good enough to wow you. And that was the first time I was wowed by a smartphone camera. And um yeah, that that's one of my my favorite memories is just going around Barcelona with that smartphone camera and you know putting it to its limits and being more than surprised as to the results that I was getting. And I think since then LG has uh you know pushed forward its smartphones as you know kind of a leader within the smartphone photography space, but then again, they were outshined by the competition yeah. in other aspects and I, I think that's kind of the story of lg from you know even when it got started with android devices i remember the second year that i went to ces um this was before lg was even selling android devices anywhere in the u.s but they they had a section at their booth at ces showing off their smartphones that they were selling over in europe and in korea and there this is i can't remember this is like 2008 maybe 2007 no it was 2008 or 2009 and you know it was still at the point where you had to search the show floor at ces to find things running android Mm. nowadays like everything's running android and you have to question is this not running android because (laughs) most likely it's it's running android uh so you know i show up at the lg booth and they have like all these phones set up and uh all running android and i was like when are these coming to the us because none of them were were in the us at all and they had like five or six different models and this was before uh the very first samsung phones that were running on android 
uh, you know, because Samsung was, you know, pushing Tyson OS uh, for their, you know, smartphone OS uh, platform at the time, and they weren't really committed to Android at all. And just to see LG pushing into the smartphone space before a lot of the other larger manufacturers that now have inevitably taken over. But um, even then, like no one was paying attention to what they were doing on Android and they weren't even, you know, making a big deal out of it either. They were just like, yeah, we have some Android phones, whatever. Uh, But they were honestly better than the HTC smartphones that were available at the time because that was their really only competition within the Android ecosystem. Yeah, um, I think both companies that you just mentioned, LG and HTC, if I had to boil down some of the, I'll use the term issues that the companies ended up having in the greater ecosystem, they always prioritized being first and only when it comes Mm -hmm. to a lot of features. And I've said this on many occasions, like while I might've been very critical of LG's recent releases, it doesn't take away from the fact that I gave them credit for a lot of times being pioneers. If we just look back in the, if we look back in the the days of like the G Flex, once again, yes, they tried with the flexible dis- the flexible phone and the flexible display. That was a first. But before that was the LG G3, the first quad HD resolution screen. Mm-hmm. After that was the G4, which had the leather backings, which actually like customizable backings with that very interesting shape the g23 and 4 put volume buttons on the back of the phone which is an interesting uh choice that eventually, it was kind of weird but it, was weird. it stood out i i'm all for things that stand out right yeah it stood out but it also made way for this idea that you could put a fingerprint reader on the back much less as part of the power button so that ended up being something that everyone else did later on as far as the fingerprint reader is concerned the g5 started the ultra wide camera craze and i actually have a similar story as to you you had it with the g6 i had it with the g5 even if that ultra wide camera wasn't amazing i still love the fact that i had it this was during the age of when this was when casey neistat started vlogging started revolutionizing vlogging at the time and to see that type of wide angle on a phone i took that thing with me to south by southwest that year the one and only time i've ever been i want to go back but I filmed that entire. I filmed using that phone, and I was so happy to turn that phone around and use the wide angle because LG was the only phone that allowed you to do it. The modularity and all of that stuff, like yes, that was another first, but it it, it didn't really pan out. I can I can go on and on. There are a lot of firsts that LG. But again, brought. with the modularity, they were one of the only ones to ever yes. actually produce a modular smartphone. I mean, this is back in the days when uh, Google's Project Ara was still, you know are they aren't they uh then they decided that they were and then they completely canceled the project <laughs> yeah uh, but lg actually brought something to market with a modular smartphone concept before motorola did with uh, its moto mods totally um lg v20 v20 bringing manual video controls another first so th- what what i'm getting at here is that uh, and then you know it, okay if i want to be thorough uh, first dual screen case, first swivel display in the LG wing. Um, you know, these are firsts that LG has always wanted to have. They always wanted to be, it, it, it seemed like LG always wanted to be known for starting the trend. But the game of the smartphone world right now is to build upon what already exists and just make it better in their own ways. Unfortunately for LG, 
I think the propensity to try and be first or only is ultimately what hurt them in the long run because we never saw the full improvements in LG phones the way we saw improvements on like Samsung's or Chinese phones or Apple phones or iPhones um, because they took something that was already established as a trend and just improved upon it. Meanwhile, LG didn't quite put that much effort, in my opinion, to those fundamentals and continue to try and innovate. There's there's a time and place for all of that. But yeah, like to see how, let's say, a P40 or a P20 Pro or P30 Pro from Huawei could improve on the photography of a phone, I would venture to say that LG just did not make that kind of stride to take what was interesting and make it have staying power. The staying power just never quite was there with LG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you you have to give credit where credit is due, but uh I I think where LG faltered and stumbled more than once was we came up with this great idea, this great concept. What's next? Mm-hmm. How do we actually improve this to make this con- this feature more palatable for consumers and better for consumers to push this brand forward. We saw a lot of we saw a lot of false starts with LG. And it I, I think that's ultimately what really killed them because a lot of people who are brand loyal uh have a hard time when they find something that they like from a brand and are expecting an improvement the next year or maybe two years later with that same type of concept except now we're we're going we're going modular no we're not going modular we're going this no we're not going this and so we saw that off and on and that's where i think you know they had good success within the mid-range budget segment uh with their phones that you know weren't too flashy but they worked they were at a good price point uh but ultimately you know, the the sales volume there and the profit margins simply weren't enough for them to, you know, make enough profit or any profit at all. They haven't been profitable within their mobile space for years now. Yeah. You know, they might have had one or two quarters that were uh, in the green, but most of the time they were in the red, uh, you know, year over year. And when a business isn't making money, it's in you know the best interest of for the company overall to cut their losses and move on to something else they can you know all the money that they're spending in R&D and development processes in order to create these smartphones what's the payoff when it's negative uh you're you're simply losing shareholder value for the rest of the company yeah um i think i think ultimately the reason why so many of us have become very wistful when it comes to this news with LG is that we we I'll admit it on my on my end, um, and I feel like Nick, you have a similar feeling that you alluded to earlier. We took this for granted. We took mm-hmm. LG's presence in the market for granted, um, which kind of brings me to for the last like five or so minutes of the episode because um, we're going to talk more about LG later this week. I'm hoping to have Jaime on on Friday, um, and I'm sure he'll have a ton to say, which I want to hear. Um, there's this interesting dichotomy right now or discourse right now on social media amongst the many different creators who have different takes. I'm not even going to say hot takes. I'm kind of sick of that term at this point um, of people reacting to the news. And I understand where everyone's point of views are coming from, but I think it's a little bit, 
I don't know. There are some there are some points of view that I feel are trying a little too hard to 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 find the negativity in the situation, whereas the rest of us who might have a lot of memories with the company with the products are just trying to reminisce or just trying to like kind of not really eulogize but to just sort of look back. Um and yet there are some others who are like accusing said creators, said um wistful reminiscence as being like, well, of course you feel that way because you were given those devices. You were reviewing those devices, but you never actually advocated for those devices. <laughs> and I guess my response to like that sentiment is like, let's say there's like a couple hundred tech reviewers who cover LG. If we all bought every phone LG ever put out, do you really think it would have had that much of an impact on where they would be right now? Because no matter how much we would have we would have advocated, and let me just say, I try my best to be balanced in all of my reviews. If I was critical of LG, I still propped up a lot of what they brought to the table. The G8X is a great example. This whole like the 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 hand gesture over the screen thing, hated that. Mm-hmm. Loved the dual screen. So there's there are ways of balancing out the coverage. So I'm just speaking yep. for myself in that regard. But at the same time, it's just we could have been critical of these devices while still having wonderful memories of them. And I think that... Yes. And even if we advocated hard for every device so that all of our audience would actually get LG devices, I'm sorry, I have to be kind of blunt about this portion. Even if we convinced our... Even if we influenced, if you want to use the term influencer, even if we convinced our audiences to buy LG phones, would that stop their negativity once they ran into the same roadblocks we have been talking about with LG for years? So here's the thing. Like, the onus isn't on us. Like, our job... You you can look at YouTubers and tech journalist sites... Uh, in kind of different categories. So, you know, like a lot of people look at YouTube more as entertainment than reporting, but then you look at you know websites as you know more of a, a reporting format and being more objective than say some YouTubers are. That being said, either way, whether you're looking to inform or entertain, the objective typically is to give a fair, a fair assessment of what the product is if it's not good you're gonna say it's not good because if you don't you lose your credibility like some people can tend towards liking a certain type of product more than they like a certain other type of product people do have their biases but if you're not fair and objective in the majority of the work that you're creating you lose your reputation and ultimately your reputation is the most valuable thing to you if you're a tech publication or a tech YouTuber as well. So the issue for LG's failures aren't on how people reviewed their products. It's on LG and how Mm -hmm. they delivered and created their products. If they delivered and created a product that was better than the competitions, we would point it out. If they delivered a product that was not as good as what the competition had to offer, we pointed that out as well. Yeah. And ultimately, not just our opinions, but consumer opinions as well. Like, yes, we have influence over a certain demographic of the market. But if you look at who watches our videos, it's only the tech enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And tech enthusiasts don't buy $300 smartphones. They buy the $900,000 smartphones. 
And that's not where LG was successful. LG was successful when selling mid-range budget-friendly devices. They needed to shift their focus. Honestly, I think LG could have continued in the industry if they said, sorry, we're not making smartphones over $600 anymore. We don't make a profit on them. We can only make mid-range budget-friendly devices, and that's where our profit margin is. If you look at TCL, uh, Alcatel, that's where their success is. I mean, right now, this pushes TCL Alcatel into the number three spot in the U.S. market share as far as smartphone vendors go, just because LG is going to be bowing out, you know, unless mm-hmm. somebody else picks up the void that LG's made. I mean, most likely TCL will be picking up that void because of those that mid-range segment, and that's where TCL excels at the moment. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why things went down the way that they did. There could have been a different approach in phasing things out. But as of right now, no more new smartphones from LG. They might, I don't know. They might have one or two that were already in the works that were, you know, on the cusp of being launched. But we're definitely not getting any flagship devices. And I, I think their press release said between now and July 31st is their wind down period yep. trying July to figure 31st. out. What's going to happen to employees? What uh, what the plan is as far as software updates for phones that are currently on the market? They said that will vary, you know, depending on on the market and the device itself. LG wasn't ever really one to uh, go above and beyond when it comes to software updates. They were always late and you know, few uh, security patches as well. Um, so it's not like things are going to be dramatically different than what things were in the past. Uh, but I, I don't think we're going to be getting, you know, two years of Android updates. We will most likely just be getting security patches until uh, end of life for the devices just you know, just went on sale last year. Yeah. The, um, I keep coming back to this whole thought of LG prioritized innovation over optimization. Um, Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I could think of that were so so great about what LG introduced to the market, only for it to be cut at the knees, kind of going back to our whole Mi 11 Ultra discussion. Yeah, adding a new feature that is awesome is great, but if it's not useful in enough ways, it's yeah, a bummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, if it's not useful in enough ways, it's a negative rather than being a positive. Exactly. Right? Like. like- a manual video mode is great, but the video is often over sharpened. The log profile is actually not as as easy to use as they would have hoped. And the audio, up until finally we got really good audio in like the V40 and the, the or no, the V50, V60, V60 thank you, and um, the G8X, it wasn't until those phones that we got really good audio coming out of the LG phones. But before that, it was always kind of middling. Um, modularity is cool but you have to take the battery out all the time the lg wing is pretty dope as well but the thing is like the gimbal camera wasn't really all up to snuff <laughs> and the processor and the gimbal camera just 1080p yeah and the as well and the um the processor that they put in that phone unfortunately did not do the wing enough justice to its form factor Mm-hmm. So you had this big phone with that was over the top and then you're like here's this mid-range processor. Congratulations. Exactly. So it's like it's that's the thing. Like prioritizing innovation over optimization I would say is my way of boiling it down. How LG sort of um they couldn't cap they they could capture the attention but they just couldn't keep it. And mm-hmm. it's not up to us to make excuses for them. 
And I'm not, and I don't even mean that in a negative way because there are there are people out there who are true vanguards of the LG brand, and I I salute you. You love what LG brought to the table. You have so much respect for the brand, and that's great. But don't try to tear the rest of us down who right now are in this one week reminiscence of remembering a brand. I've been in this game longer than most. You have as well, Nick. We have a lot of memories with them. And just because we may not have been vanguards of LG for the last two or three years doesn't invalidate the fact that we had a great time with them early on. Well, and it goes to show, like, you can be a fan of a brand or a product and appreciate the things that they do without actually spending your money on them. Like, I'm a fan of Tesla. I love Teslas. I don't have any plans on buying a Tesla. I will probably not be purchasing an electric car for a while because the current vehicle I have works just fine. And honestly, we don't drive that much anyways with the way the world is right now. True. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, just because you're a brand and if just because you are a fan of a brand and support a specific brand and you don't purchase a product that doesn't make you less of a fan and appreciate them for the work that they've done for their products. Right. You can still appreciate something without actually owning it. And your appreciation for that product doesn't change the way that you feel based off of whether you bought it or not. Yeah. Because a lot of times people show appreciation to a product because they bought it, not necessarily because they like it. Like I spent $900 on this phone. I'm going to like this phone because I spent $900 on it. Right. So you're trying to justify it to yourself sometimes, uh, justify your spending habits. Um, and, you know, a lot of times you, know, you, you look, go go to Amazon, look at reviews and you read all of these reviews that people leave. On well, I bought it and <laughs> I bought it. It's a good product. It does what it's supposed to do. Five stars. And I'm like, yeah, but there's 95 other products that are better than that one. That doesn't mean this is the best one in the world. But because you spent your money on it and you like it, you're giving it five stars. That doesn't mean it's necessarily a five-star product. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's topically. That's how, or topical, topical. Um, that's there's a video that it's going to come out on Pocket Now pretty soon uh, about the Amazon Echo frames. And I, there's a line in that video that I put in that go, I, I do use these glasses as daily eyeglasses. But that's partially because I put the investment in to get them prescription lenses. That's a lot of money. I better use them. And so you're not going to just leave them in a drawer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. But in, but in any case, like, yeah, this whole LG talk. Um, yeah. I mean, I haven't even gotten into all of the great like times that we had just with the people in the mobile division. And... There were events, yes. Of course, they brought us out for stuff, yes. But that doesn't change the fact that we had a good time with them, getting to learn about them and being able to spend time with them. So mm -hmm. those are all things that I'm sure I'm going to be bringing up probably in the second episode or second segment that we have later this week. Um, but in any case, we're going to pour one out for LG and just LG Mobile, I should say. Um, I want to, yeah, <laughs> I... Just speaking on a personal level, since I do have my own channel, um, I know that I want to make sure I cultivate relationships there to be able to work with LG as a greater brand still in general. So whatever that might look like, audio, home entertainment, laptops, 
they have plenty to offer. So washing machines, washing, washing machines. Yeah. I'll put one right here in my room for no reason. And, um, the, so there is still a lot for them to offer that we can probably still cover. It's just as far as an innovator in the mobile space, we have, we have literally just lost one. And Mm -hmm. again, when you, if you think back of these last five to 10 years, we've lost some big names. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that simply haven't been able to establish themselves. Uh, well, not necessarily establish themselves, but make enough of a profit to continue to have a viable segment within the smartphone industry, which is kind of sad. Yeah, I agree. Um, which is why I get where some people's sentiment is. Less competition means that things are going to... I'm not going to say that things are going to get boring, because there are plenty of players who are trying things, but to lose one of them does make it feel like, you know what, we're kind of moving in the wrong direction. So I get where they're coming from in that regard. Uh, Well, and just keep in mind, LG is stepping out of making their own smartphones. They're not necessarily, and this wasn't mentioned in any of the press materials, they're not getting out of the smartphone industry overall because they make displays, they make batteries, they make circuitry, they make sensors, so they will still be providing those to other manufacturers uh, so that there are there's competition within the component segment still. And that's honestly, that's where they've made their profit over the last decade is actually selling components more than selling smartphones themselves. So if they can prioritize that and put the R&D into the component segment, because honestly, like, yes, we're seeing innovation within, you know, the smartphone industry, but you know, the LG or the LG Flex or the Samsung Galaxy Fold, those come about because of component innovation. The component innovation comes first and then they figure out how to use it in a device. So if LG is making flexible displays, other manufacturers can make flexible smartphones. True. That's very true. And here's to hoping that we'll see even just a little bit of LG still have some skin in the game. Um I'm sure many conversations are going to continue happening about this. Uh, Certainly, if I can get Jaime on on Friday, I'm certain that we're going to have plenty to say as well. But with all that said, I guess we'll call it on this episode. Um, And Nick, thank you so much for for being on once again. Um, Anything as always. Anything that you want to plug before uh, we call it? Um, If you want to check out Fandroid's YouTube channel later this week, I will finally have my review of the stamp. Not Samsung. One Plus Nine Pro uh, coming up. Uh, halfway through scripting it, uh, I think I'll give you a little teaser. It's a great device. Not really sure if you should buy it. Okay, fair enough. We're gonna see why. What those? We'll see you flesh out those thoughts in the video. I'm actually on oh, it right definitely. now, so I'm, I'm still uh, gathering my thoughts. Uh, but in any case, uh, you can follow the links for Nick and also myself um, in the show notes. But we'll go through all of those in the outro starting now. All of the links for Nick Gray, Fandroid, and myself on the internet are found in the show notes. Pocket Now is found at PocketNow.com, where you can find the latest headlines. You can find at PocketNow on Instagram and Twitter, so you can follow us on social media. And then, of course, you can head over to YouTube.com slash PocketNow for all of the video content that is coming out basically every single day. With all of that said, we'll call it on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. We'll see you later in the week for our follow-up for this week, and we look forward to seeing you in that next episode.